Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. A reading from Exodus chapter 15. The Lord is a warrior. Your right hand, Lord, is majestic in power. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The Lord reigns forever and ever. May God add his blessing to the reading and the understanding and the doing of his holy word. Let God's people say amen. Amen. Friends, some of you know I like to plan our Timberlake sermons well in advance. And I found that the Holy Spirit works in the previous August just as much as the Holy Spirit works on the morning of. And so last August, I asked you which Old Testament book that you would have me preach on this summer in 2020. And several of you said the prophets and a couple of you said Job, great choices. Uh, A few of you said Revelation. I hate to break it to you, Uh, but Revelation is in the New Testament. Uh, Bless your heart. I I love you so much. (laughs) Uh, But the majority of you picked Genesis, and Pastor Matt and I were all set to preach a series on Genesis uh, this summer, this month in June. But what we did not plan on was COVID-19. What we did not plan on was repeated acts of violence toward people of color and, and riots and so much unrest in our country. And so I was praying to the Lord about what we need to preach on this summer. And a few weeks ago, God said to me, Brad, go to Exodus. Go to Exodus. And so I began to reread the book of Exodus and I noticed something. The wilderness outside of Egypt sounds a lot like the wilderness that we are facing right now. It's wild. It's unfamiliar. It's scary. So for the month of June, our sermon series is called Life in the Wilderness. And we're going to open the book of Exodus and see what it can teach us about the wilderness, about ourselves, and about who God is. Now, you may know this. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. It comes right after Genesis, and it is one of the most important books in this entire volume. Genesis is about creation, and Exodus is about liberation, God setting his people free. By the way, Exodus has been preached a lot in the black church in the 19th and 20th century in America, and I bet you can guess why. For centuries, people of color have called on the God who delivered Israel to also deliver them. And so Exodus is a word of hope to people who are suffering. It's a word of hope to people who are struggling, who are oppressed, who are scared. Let me suggest it's time for us to let the book of Exodus speak again as we witness what is happening around the country and even right here in Lynchburg. Violence, failure by people in authority, protests, unrest, riots, and we cry out, How long, O Lord? How long must we endure violence? How long until we find justice and peace? Friends, we need the Lord now more than ever. And the good news of Exodus is two things, really. Rescue and relationship. Rescue and relationship. In fact, the the 40 chapters of Exodus are, are neatly divided 
almost down the middle with one major section about each of these two big ideas, rescue and relationship. The first half, chapters 1 through 19, are about how God rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and led them toward the promised land. And the second half, chapters 20 through 40, are about God's relationship with his people and the establishment of Israel as its own religious community. Now, since we have four Sundays in June, we're going to take the first two and talk about this idea of rescue, and we're going to take the second two and talk about this idea of relationship. So, let's start at the beginning of the story of Exodus. The people of Israel had moved to Egypt because of the famine. The Israelite patriarch Joseph had found favor with the Pharaoh because Joseph was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and predict the famine and therefore save the people from starvation. Now, many years go by, there's a new generation of Israelites, there's a new Pharaoh, and this Pharaoh says, hmm, I don't remember Joseph, Uh, I don't really care about these people, the Jews. In fact, they're kind of becoming a nuisance uh, with how they keep being fruitful and multiplying for some reason. So Pharaoh says to himself, I'm going to enslave them, so they will do my bidding, and and I'm going to get rid of all the baby boys so they cannot rise up against me. And you can cue the evil laugh, ha, 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 right? Because Pharaoh is a truly terrible guy. And right there in chapter one, the drama begins to unfold when the Pharaoh orders the midwives to eliminate all the Hebrew baby boys. Now, you know, the midwives are are the ones who help give birth, uh, help the women give birth to the babies. And they're uh, told by the Pharaoh, check to see if it's a boy or a girl. And if it's a girl, fine, uh, let her live. But if it's a boy, get rid of the baby. And the story says in chapter 1, verse 17, But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king commanded Can you imagine being more concerned with the opinion of God than with the opinion of some earthly ruler? That'll preach, right? That's a good sermon right there in itself. So the Pharaoh, the story says the Pharaoh confronted the midwives. Why are you letting the Hebrew boys live? And the midwives, they make up this great story. And they said, these are Hebrew women. They're not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous. The story says vigorous. They're vigorous. They, they give a birth before we can get there. They just push the baby right out. I, th- I think the midwives are Italian, actually. <laughs> so, so what an incredible witness of their faith. The midwives feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And they remind us that sometimes people in authority misuse the power they've been given, right? We see it in again and again. Uh, presidents, pastors, police officers, harming people they have sworn to protect, But the midwives did the right thing. The midwives did the right thing in spite of what the people in power did. Now, you, people of God, don't you dare go around thinking ever in your life, oh, I'm just a midwife. I can't really do anything. Oh, I'm just a parent. Or I'm just a teacher or a nurse or a neighbor. Nonsense, friends. You can always do the right thing especially when others around you are doing the wrong thing. You can do the right thing. Notice what the midwives stand for. 
Midwives help usher in new life, right? And this is metaphorical. They, they, they protect life. They, they coax it along and they bring something new into the world. So look around you. Think for a moment around you, around us. Who are the midwives today? Where are the midwives of justice and peace? Where are the midwives of healing and reconciliation? Who is it? Who are the men and women and children around us who are helping to usher in new life in Christ? I want you to notice how God blesses the midwives because of their fruitfulness. Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, God dealt well with the midwives, and because they feared God, he gave them families. God was good to them. In other words, God honored their faithfulness. God blessed them. God used the faith of the midwives to save the lives of countless baby boys, which is the first of many times in this Exodus story that we will see this idea of rescue. Over and over, God moves in power to save his people. God moves in power to save his people. Say that with me, ready? God moves in power to save his people. Amen. That is the grace of God for us. And I want you to know, friends, God will honor your faithfulness. God will always bless your faithfulness. Of course, disobeying the king is hard, right? Let's not minimize the risk that the midwives were taking. Disobeying the king is incredibly difficult. Of course, it's hard to do the right thing when people in power are doing the wrong thing. But remember, God is on the side of the righteous. God is on the side of those who are working for justice and for peace and for healing. So, if people are criticizing you because you choose to wear a mask right now, or because you choose to stay home for your health or for the health of someone you love, so what? Let them criticize you. Do it anyway. God will bless your concern for human life. If people are criticizing you because you speak up for people of color, so what? Do it anyway. God will bless your concern for human life. If people criticize you when you call out leaders for their abuses of power, so what? Do it anyway. God will bless your concern for human life. Now, unfortunately, Pharaoh was still committed to oppressing the Israelite people. And so he ordered everyone at this point, not just the midwives, but everyone to eliminate all the Jewish baby boys. And it was during that time that Moses was born and his mother was afraid that he would be killed. And so she laid him in a basket and put him in the river and it was in the river that he was discovered by the Pharaoh's daughter. And the story says she drew him up out of the water. Now, meanwhile, the Israelites are still slaves in Egypt and they are weary of injustice and they are tired of suffering. And in chapter two, verse 23, it says, and the sons of Israel sighed because of their bondage and they cried out and their cry for help rose up to God. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel and took notice of them. God hears the cry of his people. God hears 
them. God sees them. Now, notice that it turns out, friends, Exodus is really a story about God. Israel is is the main character, and Moses is the protagonist, and Pharaoh is the antagonist, but God is the hero of the story. At its core, Exodus is a testimony to God's power and grace. And so God saw that his people were suffering. And so he called on Moses and sent Moses to confront Pharaoh, to let the people go. And Pharaoh, of course, was like, hmm, let me think about it. Nah. In fact, just for asking, I'm going to punish you all by making you gather your own straw and still make the same number of bricks. Now get out of my face, Moses. And God was like, no, he didn't. And God decided to be more persuasive, shall we say. And God began to send the plagues. You know the story of the plagues? God sent 10 plagues, a river of blood, frogs, gnats, flies, disease, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. That's nine so far, but none of them worked. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He refused to let the Israelites go. So God sent one more plague. And I wonder if you know what it's called. It's called the Passover. God would kill every firstborn Egyptian, human and animal. But the Israelites, whose houses were marked with the blood of the lamb. Hello, does that remind you of anything? Jesus is the lamb whose blood was shed for our deliverance. The houses that are marked with the blood of the lamb, God would spare them. And on that night, the people ate bread and they drank wine in thanksgiving to God. And since then, with great regularity, we eat bread and drink wine with thanksgiving for what God has done for us. So there they were on that first Passover and the people are hunkered down. They're quarantined in their homes praying that the angel of death would pass over them. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Even as we hunker down in quarantine in our homes for the last couple of months, praying that the angel of death would pass over us. So the angel of the Lord, the angel of death, passes over the land of Egypt, destroying all the firstborn, including Pharaoh's own son. And finally, the Pharaoh relents and lets the people go. And once again, God moves in power to save his people. Say that with me. God moves in power to save his people. Remember, friends, God's agenda for the world is good. Always. God's agenda is always for good for the world to bring blessing on all people, particularly God's own people. And insofar as Pharaoh is doing evil, he is working against the purposes of God. So God sent the plagues, which is a powerful example of the way in which people suffer when leaders fail. You know that, right? When leaders are selfish and cruel and when they disobey God, the people they are leading also suffer. It also raises an important question about the justice of God. So the story is clear. God brought on the plagues. We might ask, and some of you have, did God also cause the coronavirus? And the honest answer is, we don't know. We don't know. But let me tell you, I am quite reluctant to suggest that God goes around making people sick on purpose. 
I believe the God we worship is full of love and goodness and kindness. But, but, here's the, here's the thing. We would be foolish if we did not learn from all this the lesson that the hard-hearted Pharaoh refused to learn. And the lesson is this. We are not in control. We are not in control, are we? Now, we can debate whether God causes things to happen or, or merely allows them to happen, but there is no debate about our own lack of power. Pharaoh had no control over the gnats and the frogs and the boils and the locusts that were invading his land. We have no control over the coronavirus. We have no control over the actions of other people. Now, that's the bad news, friends. But the good news is nothing and no one is more powerful than our God. Our God is the God of wind and weather, of fire and freedom, of kings and peasants, of life and death. And when his people cry out to him for help, God helps. God moves in power to save his people. So Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, but no sooner had they left Egypt than the Pharaoh, of course, changed his mind. And the Egyptian army began to pursue the Israelites. The people come to the Red Sea, and now they have got an ocean in front of them and their enemy behind them. They are stuck. There's nowhere to go. The situation looks bleak, and they have no hope. And I think some of us feel like that right now, don't we? We're scared of the virus. We're worried for our community and our nation. We see violence. We see people saying and doing awful, hateful things, and we feel stuck in the middle. We feel stuck in the middle. We see violence against people of color, and we say, that's not right. And we see some people responding with riots and more violence, and we say, that's not right either. There's an ocean in front of us, and there's an enemy behind us. But don't forget who's standing beside us. Don't forget who's standing beside us, friends. The only one strong enough to save us is the Lord, our God. And he is for us, not against us. So there they are, the Israelites. They're standing at the edge of the sea. And God said to Moses, Raise your staff and, and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So God parts the sea and the people go across and Pharaoh's army follows and God closes the waters around them, wiping out the trailing Egyptians. And once again, God moves in power to save his people. Say it with me. God moves in power to save his people. Witnessing the miracle, the people decide to trust Moses, and they sing a song of praise, praising the goodness of God in Exodus 15. The Lord is a warrior. Your right hand, Lord, is majestic in power. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The Lord reigns forever and ever. 
God moves in power to save his people. And we might think that in response, the people would always be grateful and faithful and always do the right thing. And sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. So let's be honest. Neither do we, right? Neither do we. Sometimes we are faithful and sometimes we are fickle. Sometimes we are grateful and sometimes we are grumpy. Sometimes we are bold and sometimes we are bashful. But God is always God. God is always God and God is always good. And God is at work in this world right now for justice and for peace and for the good of everyone who loves him. God will move in power to save his people. Amen.